Welcome to the Shift Daily Podcast. I'm Shane Hewitt. It's a daily bite-sized morsel of our four-hour middle-of-the-night program. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca. The Shift Daily Podcast starts right now. Also calling in from Vancouver is John Jang, host of the Friday night version of uh, The Shift. And he's here to hang out with us tonight because he just loves the show that much. Hi, John. <laughs> hey, how are you doing, guys? We're good. We're good. How come we didn't get on the Zoom call? Oh, that's a good question. I uh, Were you not invited uh, to the Zoom call or what? Yeah, I wasn't invited. I, I, I'm going to have to ask that to producer Jason. How come I didn't get the invite? It's, uh, yeah. it's an exclusive um, club. <laughs> oh man i'm exposed right now i feel like I, I feel john hates me now sorry john i'll i'll uh i'll invite you uh next time man i love you sorry right, man it's all right spurs fans we, we we'll stand together it's all right oh, yeah we, we always stand together man sports guys uh oh man john jang um you're doing a fantastic job on fridays um you had leonardo <laughs> with you on friday so that was cool too um, and, uh, it's been pretty great. One of the things you've taken a stand for this month is Movember. I was sort of looking forward to seeing your, uh, I think you said 11 whiskers and, <laughs> and to see how they're going. Um, how is everything going for you in Movember and, and where's your head at? You sick of that thing yet? You know what? Uh, I, I generally grow a mustache throughout the year anyway, so it's nothing new or too different from what I usually rock. So it's, uh, it's coming in pretty nicely, I think. Uh, the, the problem with my mustache, though, is that, uh, yes, uh, 11 solid, exquisite hairs, and uh, they don't always grow at the same length. So the challenge for me is to try and make sure that it doesn't get too scraggly and, like, have one long whisker coming out on the left side and one short whisker just barely emerging on the right. So it's got to be balanced. But um, part of November and the fun of it all, of course, is to look as greasy as possible. So I've been kind of lax, especially since we're all staying at home and working from home mostly. Uh, I, I, can, I can be honest with you. I haven't really updated and trimmed the mustache uh, this past week as much as I usually would. But uh, that's okay. We're, we're doing it for a good cause. Well, I hate to break it to you, but it's not a, like, it's not a chance for you to like, just let it all go. Like you're not supposed to look greasy. You're supposed to look handsome. You know that. You know this is not just you know sliders with socks and sweatpants excuse. You know that, right? Well, I am wearing sweatpants right now, so I, I, I I'm ticking off some of those things, anyways. Um, but no, you're right. Like handsome is definitely what, what we try to go for. I guess I just fall uh, incredibly short of that mark. But uh, you know that's okay because beauty is in the eye of the beholder, Shane. And and maybe this mustache, though disgusting to some would be very fascinating to others. Beauty is uh, beauty is in the eye of the beer holder. Oh, there you go. There you go. So um, there are, um, <laughs> there's two of you. Oh, no, there's the members. There you go, and the team. Okay, cool. Now I figured it out. Team the shift. If you go to Movember.com, it's going to automatically load you to the Canada version. And in the little magnifying glass search bar at the top, if you search the shift, you can see the shift team and john jang is there and that's mm -hmm. photoshop just to be clear <laughs> um the mustache that's on john's face and just try to fundraise you know a couple thousand bucks 2500 bucks currently at 792 so the push is on to uh to make this all uh make this all go ahead um what, what's in this for you john like what why does this matter 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it matters to me because I think it's always so important to raise awareness about uh, about cancer, all different types of cancer. Movember specifically uh, focuses on prostate and testicular cancer, which, of course, does uh, impact men. And so it, it's always a great message. And I think it's very important to reinforce the idea that uh, it can happen to anyone. And, you know, I think most of us can all agree and admit that cancer has impacted our lives in one way or another, whether it's a close friend, a colleague or a family member. Uh, for me uh, personally, you know, uh, cancer does run in my family, so it, it has impacted me personally. Uh, it, uh, I, I've had friends who deal with cancer in my career with radio. I've met incredible listeners from different stations that I've worked at, and I've built relationships with them. Uh, some of them are, are cancer fighters and cancer survivors. So it's just, I guess, my life and, and how things have gone where uh, I realize, you know, I have a platform as a broadcaster to really help spread that message and, and reinforce those good points and to also encourage people to get more involved because I think we might hear it every year and, and maybe to some it gets a little monotonous and repetitive, but it's such an important message that I hope that's not the case for everyone. And uh, just here to make a, a gentle push every now and then that, hey, we are raising money and, and awareness. I'm not asking that donations have to be mandatory. You can just sign up and just share the link with your friends and family members because the more that we get people talking about it and focusing on it and just raising awareness as a whole. That's really just part of the goal in itself. And uh, any monetary funds that we end up, uh, you know, sending to Movember.com at the end of the month, that's just the cherry on top. And so the 2,500 bucks that I was uh, setting on early or, you know, at the beginning of the month, it was pretty ambitious, I think, because I'm not sure we've ever done something like this before. But I thought, you know what, 2,500 bucks is it's a lofty goal, considering we're kind of doing this for the first time, but it's an admirable goal. And even if we only managed to raise 50, you know, I, I would have been very happy with it. Uh, the, truthfully, you know, I, I think people have to remember, too, uh, it is a lot of uh, tough times for people right now. Some people still not working. Uh, certainly hours have been cut. Industries are, are finding it difficult right now with COVID-19. So I know it's not easy to ask people to open up the wallets and share what they can. But uh, for such an important cause, uh, it, it is a message that I'm willing to carry. And, uh, we're, we, yeah, we're in the stretch run now, I guess, uh, just about a week left here. So um, any little bit helps. And, again, although money is not necessarily required, what I would love to see is a few more uh, people signing up as uh, members of the Shifts Movember team here. So uh, mental health and men's mental health is a big part of this as well. It's been part of the conversation mm -hmm. that we've sort of tried to keep alive here on, uh, on the Shift uh, throughout the month and hopefully something that we are able to stand with beyond the month. I mean, how have you been doing, John? I know for me, you know, I, I would say that probably through October was, it was, I didn't realize it at the time, but you know, I, I was having a harder time getting up in the morning. I um, probably drank a little bit more than I would normally socially. Um, mm -hmm. There's an awful lot of, uh, you know, people that, that will, that tell me that I'm not alone in that. And um, you know, how's it been for you? Have you found that you know, there, it's been a bit of a struggle lately because I know the pressure, I call it compression, the compression of the COVID cycle of info has been quite tiresome. Yeah, I, I think you're right. It's been a, a little more difficult lately simply because there's a lot going on, um, you know, not just with what we do uh, weekly on the shift, but, uh, you know, throughout the week for 980 CKW in Vancouver, it's a very important time with fall ratings and it's the most important ratings period of of radio in Canada. So we're all trying our best every day to bring our A game. And uh, for the most part, I'm enjoying and I love what I'm doing right now. But 
it, it can be a lot because you're multitasking, you're learning new things, especially for me, I'm only three months and just a little bit into this new position. So I'm still a new guy and I'm still learning. Um, and sometimes just because I can't socialize, I can't see friends. You know, I couldn't go celebrate one of my friend's birthday parties the other weekend. Those are things that uh, do help break the routine and help you just refresh and recharge the battery. So not being able to do that does kind of bear down on you a little bit. And so <laughs> the biggest thing for me, Shane, and, and maybe other people who are listening can relate, the days just string together. And sometimes mm-hmm. I have a hard time remembering like what happened last week because it felt like it was a month ago and then vice versa. Something that might've happened two months ago feels like it was just last week. So my mind maybe struggles just with remembering certain times because it all feels the same. And, and I'm not used to having uh, no, 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 no memorable events happening on the weekends. My weekends are pretty much the same now uh, each and every week. It's just me staying at home maybe doing a little grocery shopping, but trying to stay as safe and indoors as possible. And it's not usually my routine. I like going out to the bar. I miss pub food so much. I miss just meeting friends and making questionable decisions on weekends. Those are things that generally have helped me, you know, just live my life a little bit more and feel like a normal guy. Uh, I I will say that I think mentally uh, I'm probably doing better than what I was going through uh, about a year ago. A year ago, I had been let go from my last job and, um, you know, I, I wasn't really sure what my next steps were going to be. Uh, I did manage to go and make a trip to Korea for the first time in 10 years, which really did help me straight. But it's it's a challenge. And I know a lot of people, um, certainly across the country, are probably feeling the same way. And you're right. Mental health awareness is definitely one of the big platforms that uh, Movember is also trying to bring uh, bring attention and raise awareness to. Uh, John Jang from The Shift on Fridays. Well, it's technically the weekend, I suppose, the weekend version right. of The Shift, uh, depending on where you are in the country. It's... Um, yeah, it's important, John. I, I acknowledge you. I think you've done a great job with it. I mean, you share your story and you share your heart. And uh, thanks for being here. John will be back on this week. Again, if you go to Movember.com and then in the little uh, search glass up top, you can search The Shift and you'll see John's team. If that's appropriate for you, please do that. If nothing else, I do invite you to please check out the website and read it. Uh, that would be handy, too. Thanks so much, brothers. Great to hear your voice. You got it, guys. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Next time, uh, maybe we'll invite you to the Zoom call. You could be part of the group. That'd be nice. I would, I would appreciate that. Hear that, Jason? That'd be nice. Your brother. Right there. Jeez. Just saying. <laughs> He's heartbroken. Did you hear the sadness, Jason, in his voice? I'm sorry, John. I'll, I'm going to send him a cake or something to make up. A cake. For All right. Not you better do that. Yeah. All right. I'm not Jason Pollan. Don't do that. Yeah, see, he's lurking too, <laughs> like our texter. Maybe John. some soju then. I'll I'll send him some soju. Oh, okay. I'll take that. I'll take that. Deal. This is the Shift Daily Podcast. Shall we do? Are you okay? Uh, yeah. Let's do it. Why not? Hey, what else are we gonna do? <laughs> I forgot to ask you about the moon dial. I was all excited there. <laughs> How's the moon dial, Matt? Uh, moon dial's pretty kick ass. Let's do it. All right, let's do it. Are you okay? <laughs> Are you okay with a new host for Jeopardy? I mean, you know, it's obviously a huge kind of emotional weight. The fact, you know, Alex Trebek is not with us anymore. But, you know, the the game, I think, could possibly, well, very, very likely go on. And it also depends who you get into the, into the chair as well, because that chair is, you know been occupied for a lot of decades forever forever 
Um, yeah. Have to have a new host. Jeopardy is too precious for it to not. Yeah, as yeah. the saying goes, um, the show must go on, and that's why I'm okay with it. I mean, it's it's hard. It's going to be weird seeing another host there. Um, but as they say in media and show business, the show must go on. Absolutely. All right. Let's hear the story because um, the there is a new release about uh, Jeopardy and um, and this is the guy. We'll talk about it next. Well, new information about a plan for host of Jeopardy after this month's death of Alex Trebek. Then show's Twitter page just posting that production of the show will resume next week with a series of fill-in hosts from the Jeopardy family, starting with famed contestant Ken Jennings. They say other guest hosts will be added and that they will honor Trebek's legacy by continuing to produce the game he loved. He died two weeks ago after a battle with pancreatic cancer. He was 80 years old and hosted Jeopardy for 37 seasons. He would have wanted so much for this program to continue and good to hear it will. Um, yeah, so Ken Jennings, the biggest winner of all time. We speculated that here on the show. That is how far ahead we are. Yeah, no, good. I would have, I would have bet on Jennings. Like, yeah, if I was, if I was at the track, Jennings would have mm-hmm. been the horse I would have bet on for sure. He was the dog you would have chosen. Yes, uh, <laughs> it'll be good. He, he's the right guy. I would say, as much as I wanted the job, he's the right guy. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, we need so, you here, buddy. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? Um, thanks, pal. Um, I think that it would be uh, big shoes to fill, and I wish him the best because, man, you know who I don't want to be the host. Uh, Donald Trump, because he's looking for work. <laughs> yeah, he might. He might need a job. Um, speaking of which, are you okay? Are you okay with Christmas with the Trumps? Uh, I think I might rather be alone. Look <laughs> <laughs> with nobody. I think it would be pretty entertaining <laughs> just to see what would happen. Yeah, for like like three if, seconds. if you want, if you want chaos on a on a Christmas day, I mean, I couldn't see any anything better. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Um, well, Rex Chapman on Twitter posted this video of Donald Melania's Trump doing a Christmas greeting. However, there's a twist at the end of the clip as Melania's, remember her rant about Christmas decorations in the White House? Oh, well, yeah. that's kind of tagged in there, so give it a boo. Melania and I are truly thrilled to wish every American a very Merry Christmas. Give me a break. You know, who gives a about Christmas stuff and decoration, but I need to do it, right? <laughs> I think I found my new clip for the Christmas oh. intro. <laughs> hey, there it is. Yeah, a little bit of Grinch, a little bit of Melania. Put it all together, and all of a sudden we have uh, we have a whole new uh, Christmas intro for the show. And Matt oh, is man. taking notes right now. <laughs> Matt's moving Matt the audio to the save it folder. Saving to the folder. Yes, there we go. I think... Um, Jeopardy should be finished. Those shoes are way too big to fill, says Dwight. Um, Jeopardy's too big of a show, man. And you know what? It's smart TV. Can we just all agree that we have um, we have not enough smart TV? I mean, we had Trump firing people on TV, which turned into a president presidency. Are you sure you want to get rid of Jeopardy? Think about that for a second. Yeah, Jeopardy's great. You know, they they teach all the good brain thinking and the words. Yeah, the brain thinking and the word things. Like they, yeah, they teach you to, to kind of think about things and to talk, you know, talk good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, talking good is the way it goes. Uh, I want to acknowledge Mark also said, uh, as long as Trump doesn't get the job, 
Thanks, Mark, for the text message. Ken Jennings would be a good host. Former champion named Colby should also be given a slot. Uh, they could have rotating guest hosts. Oh, yeah. Col um, Colby's a genius. Yeah. Um, hey, Shane, wouldn't it be cool to have Will Ferrell host an episode of Jeopardy, John and Winnipeg? Yeah, John, that's a great point. After the whole Saturday Night Live sketch thing that they did when Alex Trebek came on. Um, so, yeah, I would. Uh, that would be interesting to see. That would be fun. They could have fun with it. Maybe they will. You never know. Um, I'm okay with Trump Christmas if they give each other COVID. <laughs> Says texture Mark, not Shane. Mm -hmm. uh, not me. No, I didn't say that. That's Mark's fault. Um, Phil says, I really want LeVar Burton to host Jeopardy. Why LeVar Burton? Are you just a fan of LeVar Burton? He's pretty wicked, dude. He's well-spoken. He's got hosting experience. And he's got that sort of calm delivery thing. I mean, I get it, but why give me your reasons man snoop dog should host jeopardy says john <laughs> um yeah um what is that's my snoop dog impression. what is uh <laughs> beautiful uh the conversation we were having around jeopardy who do you think should be the host um Donald Trump should not be, Donnie Trump should not be hosting Jeopardy. It wouldn't work. He'd keep on firing the contestants, Bob in Vancouver, but he would insult them on the way out the door. You're dumb. You're fired. Get out. Ah. Oh, the impression again. Oh, um, Phil says, why LeVar Burton? The reading rainbow. Very good point. Thank you, Phil. Um... LeVar Burton did an amazing job on the reading rainbow, says Trucker Dan. I think you would do well hosting Jeopardy. <laughs> Thank you very much, Trucker Dan. You guys have way more faith in me than I do. John in Winnipeg says, Neil Patrick Harris, question mark? He would be fun. Oh, he would be fun. Um, he would have to do it, though, as the character from... Uh, oh, man. Oh, the, the, the Umbrella Show. with do the Doogie Howser, MD? No, oh, that'd be funny. Do it as a doctor. Um, umbrella Academy? No, it's the yellow umbrella. It's the Ted and the show. Why am I forgetting the I'm, show? How I Met Your Mother. How I Met Your Mother. How I Met Your Mother. That would be, oh, man. What is it with me tonight? I can't remember anything. This is it. This is the decline. Is this started? This is the decline. This is what it sounds oh. like. The shift heads right now, you are witnessing the decline of my mental capacity. This is the deterioration that begins. It has all started. And uh, here we go. But I, the point was Barney Stinson. He's got to do it as Barney Stinson, where he flirts with all the ladies and tries to hook up with all the ladies uh, on the show. See, that was oh. it. Yes, that would that's be, better. That would be uh, legend. Wait for it. Dairy. Dairy. That would be um, an HR nightmare as well. You know, they, they might have to call it, uh, <laughs> I don't know if it fits, Je, but I can't, Jeopardary doesn't work. It's almost there, though. You could probably find a way to do it. 877-399-9898. Um, your calls, your text messages. And last hour, I was trying to think of what the movie was like, that this is slowly becoming with Toronto and Peel, and Peel saying, or it's saying, don't leave your community. You've got the COVID, and you you got to stay in your community. It's like the Hunger Games. That's what it's slowly becoming, the Hunger Games. It's going to be, you know, Peel versus Hamilton and uh, and Oshawa. And then it's going to be one of those where it's everyone's trying to kill each other to survive. Anyway, 
I feel like we're turning into the Hunger Games. Eric Chapman for a Jeopardy host. Bring lots of energy to the show. Uh, Jason, you should ho host Jeopardy. Phil says Barney Stinson. Barney was the name on the show. John in Winnipeg. Thank you very much. Gilbert, Gilbert Godfrey for Jeopardy. <laughs> I'm not even going to try to do that voice. I might right? hurt myself. This is Jeopardy. No, that's not it. This is the Shift Daily Podcast. All right. It's time to check in to the world of weird things and the world of weirdthings.com with Greg Fish. Greg, do you have a, a host of, of uh, Jeopardy that should take over uh, after Alex Trebek's passing? You know, I think that Ken Jennings should just not do it, just, just do it permanently, not just as an interim host. But mm -hmm. I got to say, some of these suggestions are amazing. Like, I'm just trying to picture Barney Stinson as the Jeopardy host. That's right. that that that's great. Um, Gilbert Gottfried, dear God, that would be that would be amazing. Just at least in just at least one episode to hear. There's a lot to think about. It would be terrible, it, but it would be delightfully terrible. Oh right? yeah, yeah, it would be a, it would be a nightmare, but it would be a very entertaining nightmare. Um, but I still have to say, like, if you if if you really pressed me on this, who better to host Jeopardy than the men who basically beat Jeopardy? Well, for Ken Jennings. Well, uh, um, this one a text just came in. It says Sheldon Cooper would be great. No, um, no, the character no, of Sheldon no. Cooper. Every time someone got the question right, they'd be like Bazinga. <laughs> no, 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 no. I would. The the sound that you hear is people turning off their TVs in disgust. <laughs> I don't know, man. I love that show. That was good. I love that show. Um, here we are, Greg Fish, and uh, I'm going to be completely upfront with you. I don't know where I deleted your your email to, um, so uh, we get to go about this this um, this segment tonight, uh, experiencing it for the first time with me, and uh, and asking you where are we going to go tonight because I was pretty sure you were going to talk about like space holes or 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 you know black drifts or something like that. Okay, so now I see how important my emails are to you. We'll, we'll, we'll push through that. We'll push through that. Um, <laughs> well, actually, no. So what happened is last week, right before you, right before we started talking about a fairly depressing topic, you had yep. a text come in asking whether warp drives are possible. Warp drives. And, I found it. Yeah. So I saved your email. Yeah. See, I put it in a special folder. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You say that now. Um, so yes, there was a, there was a text from a listener who asked if warp drives are possible. And I thought, Oh my God, I would rather talk about this so much more than the depressing thing I'm about to talk about. Right. So I thought, let's rectify that situation and let's talk about warp drives because that is like the ultimate piece of science fiction. And every once in a while, there's like this popular news article that says warp drives may be possible. And then people are wondering, well, are we actually like going to be able to travel to other stars? And are people like actually working on warp drives and like how realistic it is? Mm -hmm. So I thought, well, I've actually worked on stuff like this before, or rather explaining stuff like this before. It would be a really good idea to maybe refresh that and talk about like what where are we now with the research because right. here's the thing there are people who are actually actively working on trying to figure out whether it's possible to build the warp drive and they actually have some ideas about how to really do that so how is it that they would know or at least where would you start 
I mean, do you grab a bunch of magnets and try to point them in the same direction? Like, we don't even understand where we're going. Like, like with computer science, you, you create a destination. You say, I want it to do this. Then you reverse engineer your way to do that. That's typically what uh, that is. In this case, we don't even know where we would be going. It's kind of like putting a bunch of chemicals into a beaker, shaking it up and wondering if it explodes. Well, actually, with computer science, we are at a point where sometimes we don't really know where we're going. And there's definitely discoveries that we make when we start trying to put math into into uses that have never been achieved before. And some very surprising things come out. Like um, one of the one of the things that we talked about is an AI that actually needs to take naps in order to learn and kind of mimics how the human brain works. So sometimes we don't we don't really know. And that kind of exploratory science is really fascinating because you never know what you're actually going to get. Now, when it comes to warp drives, uh, the story really begins um, with with a physicist named, uh, and I'm, I, I, I really hope that I don't butcher the name too much, um, Akubier, who essentially tried to calculate how much energy it's going to take to warp space and time around a spaceship and warp it in such, and continue warping in such a way that the space, this bubble of space and time essentially pushes that ship faster than the speed of light. And he calculated out and said, well, that's more energy that we have in the entire universe. Mm-hmm. Um, then uh, scientists have looked into some of his math and said, well, you know, now that we know more about quantum physics, now that we know more about the expansion of space-time, we can redo some of those numbers. And they came up with a number that was much, much lower, something like the entire mass energy of Saturn, in the cubic meter, which is still a lot, but a lot less than literally more than all the energy in the universe. And now there are some researchers in NASA who say that the amount might actually be a lot lower than that. Uh, the, it would be an amount that would be equivalent to something like uh, two-thirds of North America's energy output. But again, that actually is something that's relatively achievable. We just you know, need to build uh, appropriate infrastructure to deliver that much energy, usually through something like antimatter and, and things of that nature. And the idea is that you essentially have magnets and lasers arranged in such a way as to bend space and time into a kind of a teardrop shape. And as that teardrop shape contracts and expands, it pushes the spaceship along. And the, And the more you do that, the faster you go. Oh, that's all. Yeah, that's all. I mean, there's only a couple million things to figure out about exactly how that's going to be done. But there are some tests that that say that there's this. So there's this uh, effect in 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 quantum physics known as the Casimir effect, and it's essentially in very small spaces there seems to be a re- kind of a repulsive force, like this, like there's this this quantum disturbance in the fabric of space and time, which is normal. It's kind of like, imagine like a boiling stew sort of deal. So like these bubbles of space and time rising and popping. And if you start talking about the technicalities, they're just absolutely mind boggling. So let's just leave it at that. Like the, the, the fabric of space and time kind of bubbles and roils and, 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 and does all these kinds of crazy things. So there's kind of a, like this weird little repulsive force at tiny little distances. So if we can use lasers and magnets to magnify that force, to really kind of direct it and harness it, that's how we'd be able to form a bubble without any sort of exotic matter, without any sort of uh, things that we don't, that we assumed would be necessary. Uh, 
but now are realizing aren't. The real debate, though, is how strong is that effect and can we really harness it the way that we think it is? Because if that repulsive force was so great, then why aren't all the planets and galaxies in the universe just flying apart from each other at ever-increasing speeds? Um, but then again, the universe is expanding. So again, lots of questions. But again, this is actually something that's been actively studied. People are really thinking that if you get enough magnets and run enough energy through them, and if you point enough lasers the right way, it may just be possible. So, okay, my experience in all of this would be basically Star Wars and Star Trek. So, like, I am so out of my lane here. Now, but that being said, what's the point? Like, is the is the point to go back in time? Is the point to, you know, get to Mars faster? Um, because it doesn't seem to me, again, like there's a place to go. You know what I mean? Well, well, that's the thing. There actually are tons of places to go. It's just that the places to go are really, really, really far. There's some very cool planets that we know of that we would want to explore, planets that we think have life, planets that we think are these, you know, interesting and bizarre ocean worlds, planets where uh, we think there might be something extremely valuable um, from a scientific standpoint. So there's all these places that we may want to go and explore. And if we have a warp drive, then all of a sudden that becomes possible. Now, if we wanted to go to Mars, if we wanted to go within the solar system, warp drives would be overkill. Uh, because some of the more interesting things that you start getting into is that when you start breaking the fabric of space and time and bending it, you release a kind of radiation that's associated with black holes. And if you don't control it just right, if you can't harness it uh, to essentially keep the bubble stable, it will uh, vaporize your ship and everything in it and everything in the bubble and the whole thing will just explode you know, with enough energy to take out an entire planet. But, you know, minor technicalities. Um, so yeah, there's definitely I... places we want to go and places that we'd love to explore and things that would really kind of change, you know, our, our, our entire existence. Because let's say, you know, yes, the world is, you know, let's say the world is not doing well like it is right now. But what if you could go somewhere else you know you, what if you had people who are professional explorers um flying around space documenting all these incredible findings and uh, you know it really really do something different because i think one of the problems that we have today is that we are kind of as a society we're kind of stuck going through the motions and we are you know we're we're sitting there making widgets for each other and hoping to buy more and hoping that we sell more widgets than we did last quarter to make the numbers go up. And a lot of people really hate that. And you can see that by the increasing unrest, by people, by the, the vast majority of the workforce completely disengaged from what they're doing. So what if we gave people something more interesting to do? Like, well, you know, let's explore space. Let's mine the moon. Let's build a city on Mars. Like, let's do all this really cool stuff partially because we can, partially because it presents all sorts of incredible opportunities, partially because the technology that we will develop along the way and that we'll use to get there is probably going to be incredibly lucrative and can produce a lot of very profitable side effects and fuel completely new industries. It's like, think of it this way. Before the internet, was something like Amazon possible? 
No, of course not. Uh, a lot of the industries that we have today are powered by technology that a hundred years ago was thought of as this absolutely impossible dream by these ridiculous fantasists who didn't know what they were talking about. I would, though, say, was Amazon possible? You are correct in your determination about technology, but you're not in Canada, and you won't remember consumers distributing. And consumers distributing was amazing. It was like this... Uh, so far ahead of its time, like it had a catalog and then it also had a storefront. So you basically go in, but the storefront wasn't like a retail store. It was kind of like a post office. They had the odd, you know, display case with some stuff there and you go in and you would flip through the catalog and then you would ask for your item and then they would bring it to you kind of like a curbside pickup. So I mean, Sears Roebuck was, was the amazing. same. Ro Sears Roebuck basically did yeah. the same exact thing. So technically those, those businesses were possible but at the same time, the efficiency of the distribution simply wasn't there. And now the funny thing, though, is that, you know, Sears Roebuck just didn't adapt to the Internet because if they looked at the Internet and said, hey, you know, this online purchasing is probably going to be the next big thing. We should really keep an eye on that and kept at it. Then Amazon would have been snuffed out of existence. So I will absolutely take my lumps on that. There's 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 definitely an argument to be made there. But then again, like jobs like mine, you know, with dealing with AI, dealing with distributed microservices, dealing with cloud computing, that wouldn't that wouldn't even exist. A lot of the yeah. industries that are powered by that wouldn't even exist. So it's the same thing with things like space travel and, and space exploration. Why do we do these things? Because we can, because it's cool, and because along the way we make a lot of really useful technology that we can find ways to monetize in really, really fantastic ways that can help a lot of people if we do it right. Do you ever get the feeling, though, that if we ever did get some sort of warp drive thing, that that's when the aliens would probably come down and take it away, sort of like taking away a toy from a toddler and be like, yeah, you're not ready for this yet. You know what? That would depend on the aliens, I would say. But, you know, I, you don't know. That's the <laughs> I, I, I can't I can't say that that wouldn't happen. I would say the probability of that is probably low. They might just say they might just look at us with warp drives and say, oh, crap. Oh, now, now we have to deal with these human things. Um, or they, or you're right, maybe they'll try to take it away. But th th that's the, the interesting thing about the universe. You, you never know what's out there. And know. if you never explore, you'll never know. It's true. It's very positive of you. I do appreciate that part. There's a book. It's a fiction book that, uh, it does, this conversation does remind me of that. It's called The Humans. It's by Matt Haig. And it's a story about an alien that comes to Earth. Um, and basically possesses or takes over a, a body. And um, his job on Earth is to kill a man who discovers the ultimate calculation. Um, he's to elim eliminate all traces of the proof. I think it's called the Ryman hypothesis, basically that all things in the universe are, you can figure them out with a calculation. And um, it's basically like the core of all being. And so basically, the, this alien comes down, and he has to find this guy. He has to get rid of him, get rid of all traces of his research, because humans aren't ready yet. 
And then because he's inhabited this human body, he starts to experience emotions for the first time and so on and so forth. Don't want to spoil the book. Uh, he starts to like the humans. But as much as that is just fiction, um, it does kind of make you curious, huh? Well, in a way, there's there's actually some some scientific thought into that. Um, it's known as the dark forest hypothesis, where um, think of the think of the galaxy as like this this forest, and if you make too much noise, there may be very large predatory things that will take you out, or opportunists who will try to hijack your technology. So it's best for everyone to kind of just like keep quiet and stay to themselves until they become truly powerful and can really control their environment extremely well and it seems like that's something that would that would fit into that hypothesis i personally if we're gonna if we're gonna go science fiction wise um i am a big fan of the work of um isaac um asimov and and kind of how he envisioned human future so like the foundation trilogy and in a way, I kind of like the the idea behind uh, his uh, iconic story, The Last Question, in which humans kind of race to figure out how to stop entropy. And you can find it anywhere. Uh, just just Google Isaac Asimov, The Last Question. Uh, you'll get you'll definitely get a kick out of it. That's the kind of that's the kind of future that I think is is more realistic, and that's kind of the approach that I'm uh, that I'm partial to. Very cool. Uh, Greg Fish, I did not lose your email. I simply misplaced it. So I found it. Uh -huh, again. Uh -huh, I have the uh -huh, article in front okay. of me. Everyone, go check out the article. <laughs> Here's how I know that I have uh, the article uh, here with it is because I've got it um, in front of me. At least I had it in front of me. Where did I put it? There it is. Worldofweirdthings.com. It's called How Close to a Viable Warp Drive Are We? By Greg Fish. Paradoxically, we're both closer and further from zooming across the galaxy than you might think. I would not just be able to guess that. So pfft, on you. Nope. Nope. Well done. Well done. <laughs> Greg Fish. Thanks for the time, man. It's great to hear you. We look forward to chatting again next week. Always a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Tune into the show online or on the radio.